0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to (laughs) more of a comment than a question. We vanished from the airwaves without explanation about a month ago, but we are back and better than ever. Uh, Right. So, yes, uh, who am I? My name is Paul Connor. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do research into psychology at a place called UC Berkeley, and I'm here with... A couple of people, but first, Smriti Mehta, my friend and es-
1: esteemed co-host.
0: No, I think it's going really well. <laughs> Smriti, how are you? <laughs> it's been a big week.
2: <laughs> it's been a big couple of weeks. Like, I feel like we haven't done this in a long time. No, but, um, maybe we should
0: explain why. I should explain why, because it's really my fault.
2: Yeah. Yeah, explain why.
0: Okay, so... Dear listeners, I, I, um, a long time ago, I made a plan to apply for a grant, for a postdoc grant, mm. uh, with um, a gentleman at NYU called John Freeman. I looked... I, you know, I looked at it. I put it out of my mind. I had a lot of other stuff to do. I got distracted by applying for real jobs, so assistant professor roles, and then I thought, yeah, like, I'll get this done, and then i I thought that the grant application was due November 20. However... Mm-hmm around about uh the start of october i looked and i saw that the it was actually due the first of november uh so i had about like 20 days to pull this entire postdoc grant application together so i really had no time to do basically anything else i've been working on it day and night i've been staying up you know all through the night working on this thing but i got it done i got it in that's why you might be able to hear in my voice that i'm quite happy Um, I mean, also, I guess there's an election that turned out quite well. But yeah, it's uh, I'm now free so from far. that. So I want to apologize. And I also want to send a shout out to our, f- our super fan, <laughs> Rachel Ernstoff. So, Rachel, thank you. Know, <laughs> she- <laughs> That's so funny that you mentioned Rachel. Yeah, it is so funny. She tweeted, yeah, go ahead, uh, she tweeted um, something like, no new episode this week sad face or something like that oh. and um that so cool. yeah we're, that's it so was neat. yeah just such a, a nice thing
2: yeah manny do you want to tell us who rachel is
0: so um. wait we haven't even introduced manny <laughs> what's why oh that's right <laughs> <laughs> first things first right Ra- oh. okay uh. rachel thank you uh <laughs> we're back we came back we came back mainly for you um right and also daniel larkins but we, we knew he would be missing us
2: yeah he, yeah He's, yeah. he's I think a psycho he, fan Danny, <laughs> daniel's weekends are probably not as fun because because yeah sorry daniel but we're back we're now back. yes anyway so today we're joined by our friend manny um manny galvan manuel galvan did i say it right that's Danny? fine yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: we're all friends
2: how, how would you say it
1: uh manuel's fine yeah that's good <laughs>
2: many many is better anyway uh, many is who's, fine <laughs> ma, many is better um so many is a grad student another social psych grad student at um the university of chapel hill
1: north carolina chapel hill north, <laughs>
2: yes <laughs> university of north carolina at chapel hill yes um working with keith Payne and um katie
1: no uh keely muscatel keely
2: muscatel yes mm-hmm. yes uh-huh. um yeah, and so yeah. many know know each other from Stanford. We worked together um, for a little bit at Stanford. Mm-hmm. We actually didn't work work together a whole lot, mm-hmm. but I think near the end of both our times there, I was like, "Hey, Manny, let's go grab lunch." And we both realized we are interested in IDW. And then mm-hmm. many introduced me to Ham Saris,
1: Intr-
2: which uh,
1: <laughs> wait, wait, I <laughs> introduced you to
0: Ham. You introduced Sar- me oh, to Ham Saris. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you know what Ham <laughs> Saris is for? no and i i think we
0: oh well listen as an explanation maybe even of the acronym idw i don't know if everybody knows what that means intellectual dark web it's Mm. kind of this cadre of uh, of intellectuals
1: who think that their their ideas are too spicy for the average intellectual and so they tackle Mm. uh, topics that most people wouldn't want to tackle is their kind of tagline
2: Yeah, and some people that are in this group is, you know, people like Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson, Eric Eric and Joe Joe Rogan, yes, Um, (laughs) Eric and Brett Weinstein,
1: Mm
2: so some Uh, of those people. Barry Weiss. Barry Weiss, exactly. Okay, so
0: Ham Saris, I'm guessing, (laughs) is some kind of spoof account of Sam (laughs) Harris or something. So
2: basically,
1: somebody like, some nefarious actor out there takes Sam Harris's uh face or uh, sorry, his podcast episodes yeah. and then cuts them up into being like <laughs> the opposite often of what Sam Harris was really saying, where he's just saying the worst things <laughs> that you can imagine. And it's but
2: it just sounds so it just sounds so real. Because Sam <laughs> yeah. also just naturally when he talks takes these like weird, awkward pauses. Mm-hmm, and okay. so I think it just flow you can just like chop it up and it just sounds like, oh like <laughs> he's actually saying all the it's hilarious. Alright, yeah. Well I'm so we are gonna
0: yeah. try to maybe Download some, and I'll put an example here. Welcome to the Keep On Sleeping podcast. This is Sam Harris. Okay, well, before I bring you today's guest, a couple of updates. There's a starving person by my front door today that I just stepped over on the way to this podcast because I was, you know, I'm busy. It's worth not caring; just do your thing, and you will eventually realize that you can do it happily.
1: But yeah, Smriti, we're we're friends by choice, you know. Like you said, we didn't work together, so we kind right. of m- continued to try to hang out with each other. Yeah, and, and, yeah. So yeah.
2: we reconnect again, in SBSB, which is really nice. Paul was also there, and I know you both have similar research interests because you're both interested in you know inequality mm-hmm. and racial bias, implicit bias. Um, so you know, this is. I'm so. I'm i mean, so happy yeah. we're doing
0: this. You're
2: yeah.
0: a, a student of my uh, my academic nemesis. My, your nemesis, Keith Payne. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, oh, actually, it's although just, on that
1: front, I I'm not getting between y'all on this thing. <laughs> I, I I'm not really going to talk about implicit bias. It's not my area of research. Yeah, really. No, no.
0: and I I'm, I totally mean that jokingly. I Actually like keith and i think he's done awesome research yeah. he's, a, he's uh, on, a great guy on a lot of yeah. topics and, and um i happen and to and disagree back with forth. one one theory of his um right but you know that like that doesn't detract from my overall respect for keith as a researcher so yes mm-hmm.
2: and i think you guys' back and forth has been just so fun to watch i know you just came out with a response i haven't read it yet but
0: oh i haven't read that either
2: i'm looking forward to reading it um Nice. I said that
1: like somebody who's missing, like, a Netflix special or something. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, it's so, the hashtag nerd life. But wait, before we go on to the podcast, tell us about Rachel, Manny.
1: Oh, yeah. So Rachel is a, uh, Rachel Ernstoff is a fellow grad student. She started uh, the program the same time I did. And we sat right next to each other in the office before when we, you know, oh. were able to be in the same office with one another. Right. And so we definitely hit it off really quickly. She's also, I don't. Think she's all that much into the idw stuff but we kind of um gravitated towards each other because we like to discuss these like more contentious more controversial issues Mm -hmm. and she's uh she's also a fellow writer with me at the pipette pen um we both have about four articles now on the pipette pen too so um she studies specifically um with uh kurt gray and looks at um you know liberals and conservatives getting along and what are the what are the factors there that make liberals and conservatives not get along or get along so nice. interesting yeah. research that's applicable to the way there's a lot of things that i think about too
2: yeah nice so yeah. i i was you know i met her briefly at V too which was really nice and then she sent me a really nice message after i think many introduced her to our podcast saying oh i really enjoy it you know good job so thank you rachel thank you for listening and that 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 tweet made me very very happy i think i retweeted it saying that's the it is i think literally the nicest nobody misses me and then i saw that message and i was like oh this is just what i needed
0: yeah it was very yeah. nice somebody noticed that we, <laughs> we were there yeah. That's all we've ever wanted. But that cool. I think Rachel's yeah. Rachel's research interest really leads in quite nicely to like the stuff that we want to talk about. Um mm-hmm. so Absolutely. like I mean Manny so um I think it's probably fair to say that you are a extremely radical leftist. That's this is the why we we <laughs> so brought you on the pod to represent the act, the absolute extreme leftist. No, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We, but we we did have a, a discussion a few weeks ago, um, right. Centered heavily around uh, inequality and and race in the United Sta- States. states. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like today maybe we will get to that, um, but I think we should acknowledge that we're recording yeah this is Friday November 6th Sixth, um, yeah, yeah. it's been a, mm-hmm. an enormous week in US politics um, Oof, yeah well, you know where where are we where are we at we it's looking very much like Joe Biden has defeated mm-hmm. don- Donald Trump uh, in the yeah. election Donald Trump is kind of making noises about not accepting the result but nobody's nobody really seems to be buying into it very much at this stage like some judge yeah. A few, quite a few judges have told him, "Yeah, Yeah. like we we can't just like stop the election without any evidence." (laughs) You know, that's not how this thing works. Um, Fox News has covered the election. I would say quite responsibly. That like some Talking Heads there um, have said some irresponsible things, but for the most part, um, for the most part, America has had been quite surprisingly mature about this all. And it, if I had to bet, I guess I would bet that. Trump will lose and he will leave office, like not, not happily. Um, and he'll, to the day he dies, he'll say that he won the election. Um, but it seems like the entire country kind of knows that he didn't. And the entire country pretty much accepts that Joe Biden is probably going to be the next president. So uh, I don't know, what do you Entire country? Think? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not
2: sure. I'm not sure about that. You know, I mean, I, I
1: think 80, like, you're probably right. That majority.
0: Yeah. A, 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 did, what percentage? I said 80-90. Oh,
2: <laughs> but I mean the, the other the ten percent has guns, so
0: mm. yeah, and they're showing up
1: at, yeah. at the mm-hmm. places where the votes are being counted, yeah. and they're That's, you know saying stop counting.
0: Yeah, yeah I haven't. I haven't seen any guns in those in the news footage of the protests. though. I, I saw a uh, breathless tweet from a researcher I follow. I can't remember his name. He and he said that, uh, "Oh my God, MSNBC has just said that right-wing terrorists have shown up at a polling place in Michigan." And then, like, I found the news story and I looked, and it was like these like old women, <laughs> like with signs. It didn't it didn't look nearly as threatening as it as it was made to to sound there. And I mean, the Arizona yeah, protest. It-
2: Oh, I was just going to say, this is like before the election has been called, right? I think once it's pretty clear that Joe Biden wins, I I feel like there's some potential for there to be, like, things might get a little, you know, Uh, tricky. (sighs)
0: Yeah, like, I, like there I, are I, some I can't who just not totally. Right, right. Yeah. I, like, there are really crazy people, like these QAnon people right, who are, like, exactly. armed to the teeth, who may just, like, go crazy and think, this is my moment, right? Like, they, yeah, I mean, Trump but, would tweet are chan- something. there people chanting, then,
2: stop the count, right? Stop the count. The, there mm-hmm. are people chanting that. there's some people, like, he's been saying this for a long time, right? That these mail-in ballots are fraudulent. Some people, I'm sure, believe him, right? So there's a part of the country that's going to really not accept it as, as a legitimate election mm. outcome
1: yeah yeah i mean this is the this is the worrisome thing about trumpism yeah. in general right yeah. i mean so and this is the thing i want to get into later but like there there are issues with conservatism or conservatism mm-hmm. conservatism, conservatism <laughs> um and then there are i keep doing that conservativism versus yeah. conservatism <laughs> um works. But there, there's issues there, and I think those are important issues. And then there's Trumpism, which is a little more like a step closer to fascism. You know, it's like this like dear leader cult of personality type thing that's going on on the right. So I think that's worrisome. But that is a, that's like a considerable amount of his voters. Like that's not that's millions of people in yeah. the United States, um, which is scary.
2: It is scary.
0: Yeah, I guess I, I mean, I agree. I, I'd say like three weeks ago, I was quite worried about the prospect of violence post-election and the election mm-hmm. being um, disputed. Um, I've just, I'm just finding it hard to be as worried now uh, with with how it's gone. I, I don't know. I think, I just think that like at a basic level, the whether the president is Joe Biden or Donald Trump, and this is maybe controversial, maybe you disagree with this, but I I actually have sort of come to start thinking that, like, in terms of policy, in terms of actual, like, material effects on people's lives, I think the vast majority of the people in the country kind of understand that it doesn't actually affect that life, their life, um, that much, who the president is. Like, we've had... Mm. No, okay, so tell me this, like, we've had Donald Trump in office for four years. Mm -hmm. Like, in practical terms, how, like, other than, like, having to deal with his bullshit tweets and, like, the shitty things that he says, like, in in terms of policy, how has that actually affected your your lives?
1: So, I think, like, the most obvious example is coronavirus, right? Like, he could have done things much different on coronavirus. He could have supported mask wearing. Potentially... And this is like I think you can read experts saying similar things. Like with with different leadership, we could have had tens of thousands of less people dying from coronavirus. Um so I think like that it's hard to under sell that point. Yeah. That
2: and the I mean now, there's so many other examples that. I can give, sorry, which is like I mean, the trade war has led to I mean the effect it has had mm-hmm. on farmers is huge, right? right. You have they were tr
0: what? Well I said your, I said your life. So Oh, but, I mean but, but, the 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 pandemic example is interesting because
2: but we're not the we're not, I mean what does it matter
0: like Even the U S. hasn't
2: affected my life yeah. particularly there's like right. you know lots of people out there whose life we're hey, in our ivory affected.
1: tower yeah. Yeah, but, but like, yeah, yeah but like yeah but like the mean, effects on farmers and uh, yeah. industry
0: is a little bit right strange. right but like I mean most farmers are voting for the guy uh so and we can it, probably, I mean, probably type, it affects type, type, my
2: <laughs> life in the way that sorry i feel like we're talking over each other a lot you were saying right. something before i cut you off manny
1: oh i was i think i was going to make a point that probably paul was getting to a little bit which is that the pandemic's a specific example had the pandemic not happened i think the the, the argument that trump being in the white house didn't make that big of a deal i think the argument um about trumping in the white house uh in addition to like policy examples like you're bringing up smithy is also like the um way he's just tainted our political discourse right and just like made it so that nobody trusts you know political discourse anymore misinformation it's just hard to tell what's what's true and what's not true for a lot of people um and i think that Mm. it's hard to measure to Mm. what extent that that has just damaged the way that the united states um
0: will operate going forward Mm -hmm. on that i totally agree like his effect on the culture and i think you could you can't prove this but it's yeah. I'd say it's unlikely that you know there'd be plots to kidnap the governor of Michigan, say, right. or this this QAnon thing. Like the effects right. of the, the just the the poisonous aspect of like, mm-hmm. you know, treating the press as the enemy. Uh, you know that like just showing that you can just get away with lying. Like you, you yeah. never have to own up to it. There's no accountability. Like, right. yeah. I, like, I am scared of what comes after Trump. Like, is is totally. the next leader Joe Arpaio? Or like, is it, it? Does it just keep going in that direction? Like. Um, But I also. But even
2: even concrete things, right? There's so many things that this government... Like, they've done in terms of pulling out of the Paris Accord, right? That has implications for all of us, right? Stuff like whatever they've done in education. Like, the people he's appointed to these, you know, the energy thing. Like, I mean, all of these have implications for our life. They do, right? I'm in education. It matters to me what's happening in terms of policy. I
0: get it. I get it. Like, I'm not saying he hasn't done anything. I guess what I'm saying is, like, nobody's going to go... Nobody's going to start a civil war because we join back up to the clim- the Paris Climate Accord. Like these things, like the actual impacts on individuals' lives are are pretty like abstract and like far removed. And like- but
2: altogether, they're not um, inconsequential.
0: No, yeah, and I don't, I'm not sure that's Paul's point, but
1: I do take the point that like in general, the presidency, and I think we could even make a statement about government, like government moves so slow, it operates at such a high level in society that, like, changes here and there are, like, it's very often difficult to to like pinpoint how it actually influences our day-to-day lives mm-hmm. um the other big thing is the is the supreme court i mean it, that's, um, that's still a weird, on that level that's a
2: weird statement though right i mean the schools that your children go to the roads that you drive on like totally. those are all based like the government provides that it's kind right. of odd yeah, to say right, the government Smithy, doesn't have
0: but like the roads are pretty. What? The roads are the same, whether Trump's a president or Biden's the president. The roads sure. are the same. Like maybe you can find one road in like yeah, somewhere yeah, in but the country. The, but that- the
2: people, but the people who are in charge of maintenance, the people who are in charge of providing, you know, commissioners to go security commissioners and stuff, like that's being run by this government, and they're not you know, conscientious about any of it, right? Which means there are bridges yeah. that probably need to be checked that aren't being checked, and, you know, five years down the line, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, we knew we, this should have been getting checked every year for security, and now we have this collapsed bridge. I, like, it's it's hard to, like right? Like, the consequences right, right. of yeah. a lot but of this like, stuff will...
0: I think, yeah. but my, I mean, my point is, like, about I'm talking about the likelihood of civil war, and you're talking about, uh, you know, that there might be a bridge that... Didn't right. get maintenance that right. needed to get maintenance. This is this is not going to oh, start a civil war. Like no, point, no, nobody's no, going to take uh, their AK-47 and go try to kidnap a governor because the bridge didn't get enough maintenance like i mean
2: no my point was just again like against your argument that his like him being president hasn't really had an impact on anyone like i just don't agree with that it also
1: depends on the community we're talking about like i come from a hispanic community and where i'm from my hometown there are people sitting in cages kids separated from their families so sure in our ivory tower type situation because we're all grad students. Like, it doesn't seem like a lot has changed other than the fact that we have to pay... Like, the kinds of things that are happening on the news are very mm. g- disgusting. Um, yeah, But, <laughs> but I mean, like, the- besides... But there's plenty of people in the country who have been, like, directly influenced by uh, our, this
0: presidency. This is true, right? Like, so you can definitely you know there's like f- 550 kids that they still don't know like where their families yeah. are right like and you can put that on trump so that's a, yeah okay this is 550 people at the same time like the us is such a huge country and the president president of the united states makes so many decisions that i think this is probably true of any president that you can find some people who are like losers because of this president
2: so now that we're like okay, let's assume that Biden wins the election, right? Sure. Um, Trump recently banned the critical race theory from the government. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. What do
2: you think is going to happen under Biden's presidency? I
1: mean, critical I'm assuming race that ban for everybody.
0: Would,
1: <laughs> I'm assuming that ban would get removed. Mandatory,
0: like, mandatory critical race theory education. And that's all. the
1: thing. Like the right has been banning and canceling things for decades and we instead focus on the left doing like leftist Twitter like doing this like the wokelets on Twitter are the big concern but the right's been doing this for a long time Trump has been doing it in spades and the example you brought up is like a perfect example of that
0: yeah, so this yeah. is an interesting thing. So when we when we spoke a few weeks ago, um we spoke about a, a number of things and then towards the end of the conversation we got to this quite interesting point, I think. Um because Smriti and I, you know, we have this podcast and we often um we often end up criticizing mainly like uh the excesses of the left, right? We don't spend a lot of time Criticizing Donald Trump or like conservative people, like there are there are no conservative people really in our little academic world, and what what we often see is um, like people kind of making mistakes or people going a bit too far. Like we you know we talked about people uh, dumping the uh, SATs as a requirement right. for Berkeley. Right. We've mm-hmm. talked about people dumping the GRE. We've talked about. Um, Jessica Krug and this, oh, yeah. this weird thing of white people wanting to be Non-white, African-Americans so they, so they can get power in this identity politics game yeah. within, within academia. Um, yeah. But your writing and your focus, Manny, is much more focused on, um, I guess, yeah, critiquing uh, s- racial inequality critiquing the structures of society that perpetuate racial inequality and you kind of suggested in our conversation that you think just we're we're wasting not wasting our time but we're um focusing on the wrong on the in the wrong area or maybe you can you can probably express your opinion better than better than me
1: yeah uh, so um i think it's perfectly fine just to be clear what my position i think it's perfectly fine to criticize the left in fact like i i really love this there's a noam chomsky quote out there which like if we're going to talk about an academic who's been canceled over and over relentlessly it's definitely noam chomsky Mm -hmm. um but and he also signed the harper letter um He, he has this quote. So people often ask him, like, why are you always criticizing the United States? Aren't you a patriot? Don't you care about, don't you love our country or whatever? And his response is, very, is like often, this is the only country I have control over. This is the country I'm a part of. And I can't control how France operates. I can't control right. how Iraq operates. The only thing I can control and the, and the thing I have a responsibility over is America as a voter here as someone who can influence things here. And I think um, a leftist has a similar uh, statement that they could make about the left, right? We should criticize the left as leftists because we're part of the left and we can help uh, shape what the left is. Um, And I think in that sense, like I'm, I'm, you know, I criticize the democratic party all the time. Like I, you know, I'm very quick to, to criticize people on the left. I think though, it's important um, for us to think to adequately contextualize um what we're critiquing and why we're doing it and what we actually think because there's plenty of people who are criticizing the left and they don't agree with the project of the left they don't agree that we need a more equitable society um that we you know should explore the problems of society and should like develop stronger egalitarian mechanisms that promote welfare like there's plenty of people who don't think we should do that and a lot of those people are critiquing the left with the exact same language that you guys might use um to critique the left and you you know it's just it's just about like being nuanced in the critique and kind of always providing the context for where you're like we are doing this critique but let me just be clear that we also agree with this project of like making a more equitable society, bringing a more equitable, equitable society to fruition. Um, so I think that's kind of the space I want to get into is like, to what extent is this critique, um, unique to the left? Um, and also, um, you know, (sighs) you know, how much worse is it on, on the right? And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of, I'm hoping we get into some of that today.
2: Here's, I mean, I feel like, okay, okay, I'm a little confused that we should talk more about this because I feel like you also attack their left to a certain extent and so do we, but we attack a different kind of left, right? Like you've been pretty outspoken against Sam Harris, who I consider to be on the left, right? Sure. I think he would probably, like, what he wants for the world and what we want for the world, I think, overlaps a lot. So, like, like, I think, yeah, I'm not sure where that disconnect comes from like we're i feel like we're both attacking like the left but in different ways um right right? so for example like sam harris came out with that um that podcast about police brutality and like Mm -hmm. the you know just like the whole conversation around what does the data actually show us when it comes to you know violent police you know police and um interactions with the you know people in this country and i feel like we've sort of disagreed with a lot of what he said there and I'm not sure what you think, like where the that disagreement comes from.
1: What? Where did my disagreement come from?
2: Yeah, where did your disagreement come from?
1: I mean, I feel feel like he was strawmanning uh, the positions that a lot of people on the left take. So um, I wrote about this on on my blog, um, "The Science of Social Problems." If anybody wants to look into it, um, but basically, we'll put it
2: in the show notes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
1: But basically, I argue that he. Um, so he one of his main points in that was to say the black lives matter protest generally he doesn't really narrow it very much uh he just kind of says the black lives matter protests are animated to a large extent by misinformation and then he basically backs up this claim with the friar study um and if you just look into the friar study it's not It's not scholarship that the the field has unanimously agreed is the is like the centerpiece of scholarship on policing violence. And it has problems. There's methodological reasons to doubt that it's the end all be all study to answer all the questions we want to know about police violence. And it also says that there are there's excess violence that's non non uh, lethal. Mm hmm. Anyway, and I, I just kind of outline why, you know, that's not the full extent of the critique from BLM. I think the, the critique from BLM that is largely, like, about systemic racism, um, policing violence being an aspect of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I don't know to what extent we want to get into specifically Sam Harris, because I don't, I don't yeah. I'm not sure, like, yeah, anyway.
2: Yeah, we probably don't. But I guess, to me, that feels like, okay, we
1: i mean i didn't call if you read my article i didn't call him like do you guys curse on your podcast yeah sure okay i didn't call him
0: like a piece of shit who is like a, you know like wow, I, I just I are like, like you wait, ask wait, permission
2: wait. to say piece of shit i didn't
0: i didn't realize you were going to curse that severely i want to apologize to <laughs> for, <that. laughs> <Allison's>, um,
2: <laughs> for having to hear that yeah.
0: i'm really sorry thanks paul um <laughs> Um, but like, but all you, I said I you were going like, to say, I don't give a
1: damn or something like that. That's... <laughs> um, yeah, he's a gosh darn, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just didn't feel like he was being, like, um, um, charitable to the people he was dealing with. And that's like how he opened up his podcast. is like, let's be charitable. Let's really try to understand each other. And then he goes and strawmans people he disagrees with. And I'm like, okay, dude, like, is this the way you're going to have the charitable conversation
0: you wanted to have? So... Yeah. But it's it's a straw man. But I, I, it's also like I think what he's saying is pretty accurate for the modal Black Lives Matter protester. I think that there's a, a hmm, I think that there's a huge misunderstanding, and I'm basing this on you know I, I've been to Black Lives Matter protests in the past. Um, I've read a lot of think pieces, and there there is just a a pretty regular, consistent disconnect between the reality of what the data shows, and not just the Fryer study—you know, other studies as well. I think David Cesario's paper is the best I've read mm. on the topic. And what what people actually think is going on, like, and the rhetoric that people use, and the rhetoric that is is causing like such inflamed tensions on this one specific issue, um, like I. Yeah, th- that's an interesting issue to me, and I, it it probably connects with this this larger point because, like, for me, I think society's way too unequal, right? I I want greater wealth distribution, I want greater equality of opportunity, mm-hmm. um, and so like I consider myself to be like on the left, right? And I I don't support conservative politicians, you know. I was phone banking for Biden just the other day. However, like. the thing the thing that makes me like pay special attention to this black lives matter stuff or these arguments about systemic racism is like like i have always thought that my side was the honest side you know like my Mm -hmm. my people were the honest people the good people the people that cared about the truth and i just feel that with this issue in particular in this country in particular like Mm -hmm. you can't Reach people with like data and and reason. Like it's it's so it, this issue like emotions emotions control and dominate this issue to such a large extent. And there's mm-hmm. that like you know uh, I I just feel like you you can't even. Um, you can't even raise any objection. You can't even push back without being immediately placed in this category of like you're not, not with the program. Like you're not you're either with us or against us. And you know and LeBron James has like said that right. Like this is this is now like the language that people are using. You're either with us or against us. You um, you're either posting a black a black square on your Instagram or or you're yeah. uh, you're not with us. Money we've lost money. Um, <laughs>
2: we we are you know you know how there were people saying that oh if you don't say
0: Silence is like, violence. Silence right? is violence. Right, right, right. Like you you have to agree with us, otherwise yeah. you're an oppressor, right? Okay and it it's extri- like it's just very um scary to me to be in this position where I feel like I'm on the left, these people are on the left, but I feel yeah. no no ability to like actually reason with people on this issue or actually i feel not like completely unwelcome to even like push back or disagree like even a tiny bit on this particular issue and that scares me because i just feel that like that is kind of how civil wars happen like that that is like if you have just people that have this completely different understanding of reality and cannot be convinced by data or reason that maybe like they're understanding like maybe the world is a bit more nuanced than they than they see it and there's people on you know there's trump trumpists that are like that too and we now have these people fighting in the fucking streets like it's just scary for me and but the the key difference for me is that my entire like department the psychology department is supporting one side of this and not the other like we are all expected to sort of like just accept these dogmatic positions that like the united states is this white supremacist dystopia and like that the police are like racially biased i mean my my spanish teacher for god's sake the other day just like made this claim about the the berkeley police which as far as i can tell she has no evidence for that, that the berkeley police targets people of color there's really no no evidence of that that i'm aware of but she just like really comfortably just said it in our spanish class mm-hmm. to to the class and that that's like if she was making a similar claim like if she was a trump supporter making a similar claim she'd be kicked out of mm-hmm. berkeley like like that right so like for me this is why i end up focusing on this stuff rather than criticizing the trump supporters because like it, in the institution that I'm part of, this is the stuff that's just coming to dominate, and and this is the stuff that everybody seems to just be like blindly starting to accept and go along with. So that's what, yeah. And it, it makes me feel homeless, right? Like it makes me feel like, oh, like i I don't fit in. I don't fit in anywhere here. Like I, I can't. I don't want to go along with like everything that the left is saying. I definitely don't want to go to a Trump rally. So like now I just feel like I want my left back I want, I want to feel at home <laughs> and I want to feel welcome and I want to feel able to say what I think <laughs> oh, s- so yes, I'm
1: assuming I'm- that when this Spanish teacher said you know there's racial bias in the Berkeley police station you went home and you like looked you tried to s- you steel her argument you went home and googled is there any evidence that there's Berkeley police department poli- the racial bias and you found
0: well I I didn't do that yesterday but When um, the George Floyd thing happened, there was this letter sent out by law students of African descent. They wrote a letter. They went back like a decade and they found like every single thing that they could find over the last decade that the Berkeley Police Department had done. Mm -hmm. And I did follow all those up. And there was really very little there. So there was one lady that died uh, on a mental health check attended by police, a, uh, a trans woman, died um who was also like obese and like overdosing on drugs and the uh, even in this letter that the law students of african descent sent out they linked to this article and the headline of the article was you know judge throws case against berkeley police department (laughs) out of court for not having Mm -hmm. any evidence of any wrongdoing the other examples were maybe things that weren't ideal but they definitely weren't that bad one of them was like oh they put two minors in handcuffs And this is, like, we're we're going back six years or something, and it's, like, there was two minors, and they got put in handcuffs, and those minors were upset. So, you're talking about a police department that, like, deals with murders and rapes, like, all the fucking time. Like... This is a police department that the, the community, like, desperately needs. There was just a, a teammate of one of my students was murdered, like, a couple <gasps> of weeks ago. Uh, and the body was found on Grizzly Peak up in Berkeley. Oh, like, we need right. this police department. And this, this, these law students are trying to get them defunded. Yeah. based on really really flimsy stuff so i didn't when my spanish teacher uh mentioned it go back and look but i have looked uh, in the past uh, when this uh, letter was sent out and i found very little um so the center for policing equity has
1: teamed up with the berkeley police department and they have published findings that show disparities and bias in the way that the two different groups black and white people there
0: in berkeley are treated so i mean okay hang on i'm now. looking at a you know Time out? Talking a, No, yeah, th- we might need a timeout out. Because are we just talking about a different rate? Like, black people are arrested more? Is that what we're talking Disproportionate, yeah, I mean... <laughs> but that's, not,
2: that's, not, but, evidence but that's not evidence of bias. that's not evidence of
0: bias, Manny. And this is no, one of the not. problems with no, the so, modern okay, left's so approach
1: to this issue. This is... Again, we, uh, we have... So, we'll talk about this, too. I, I feel like I should lay this out, right? So, when people talk about um, defunding the police we had this conversation last time and I'll just reiterate it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are not just talking about removing money from the police department. So you'll say, cause you'll say, or somebody would say like, Oh, if you just remove money from the police department, that's just going to hurt communities of color. And it's because they're the ones who are being affected by murders and theft and rapes and these kinds of things. Um, and, To some extent that's true, if we were just going to remove the funding and do nothing with that money and just like give it to corporations like we do in America all the time, then yeah, it would just lead to a dystopian outcome where people of color can't call the police and there's nobody there. But if you give that money instead, what, what most advocates for defunding the police or reallocating funds from police to other social services is really like the longer version of defund the police that they mean... Um, then we 're talking about like giving kids somewhere they can go after school we 're talking about having mental health professionals that can be called whenever there 's somebody who has having a mental health breakdown. That's the kind of thing that those uh, advocates are talking about. And so it's a straw man of their position to say, you know, you're just going to take money out of these police departments who are otherwise doing good in these communities of color. It's like, no, that's not what they want to do. And it's not a good representation of what their argument is, if if that's what we're trying to do, is to really understand where they're coming from. Um, so, I, I, yeah. So to the point about this research on, you know, bias in policing. So what they're saying is. You know these communities are being overpoliced, and you'll say, "Well, that's because there's more crime," and they'll say, "That's why we need to allocate more funds to social services in those communities to del- to actually lower the rate of crime as opposed to increase the amount of policing." So it, it's a coherent argument, but you actually have to follow it to its logical end; otherwise, it seems incoherent if you
0: only follow it to the middle. Okay, so. Uh, but i i feel like you picked up on like a small part of what i was saying there um okay. and i think that yeah like you yeah you can make that argument that oh you know like people are people campaigning for defunding the police they want to uh you know just put money into social services that will prevent the need for police or they and mm-hmm. i think there you know there are some valid arguments there like in in Houston for example the police are called if there's a stray dog right that that yeah. shouldn't be the police's job. Right. The, the police are... Yeah. Uh, and the, if there's a, for example, a non-violent mental health issue, mm-hmm. um, yeah, showing up uh, with, as, with armed police it is probably not the best thing and could escalate a situation. Or even and in I schools,
2: think... they call police uh, in, yeah, here like in the there's... US, which is just absurd, right? They yeah, call right. police on little children.
0: Right. My point was that these... Uh, this document that was sent around to our department was not very convincing, right? But nobody, nobody right, said, that, said anything. right? Yeah. Uh, there's no pushback because everybody's so scared of not being mm-hmm. on the right side of this issue or everybody's seen as being like not supporting this issue. And and my, my so yeah, and this is getting back to what I was trying to say is like, my thing is like, if you have these issues where in, in a particular social circle, nobody feels they can push back on, mm. you're almost inevitably going to land in the wrong place on those issues. And and this is something Smriti and I have talked about. Like we, you know, we've landed at this place now of Berkeley that we decided to drop the SAT, even though our own Investigation. Our own task force, like, told the university that the SAT was working. It was doing its job. It was Mm -hmm. actually like, it was actually a valid tool. It was predicting what it was supposed to predict. But it's been dropped purely because, as far as I can see, it's it's been framed as a racial justice issue. So, like, Mm -hmm. my point is like, if if we're all, if everybody's too scared to even say, oh, you know, well, the task force said said that it works so even though you're saying it's it's part of systemic racism like that doesn't fully make sense like it's it's it it kind of works for what it's been used for so we're not going to give you what you want on this particular issue nobody's willing to say that yeah i just think that that that's a really like maybe not dangerous i like i don't care if they use the sat or not like it it doesn't really affect me that much but i just Mm -hmm. think it it bugs me that like it bugs me not to be able to just say what I think, or like at least yeah. subjectively feel that I just can't say what I think or what I think is true about these certain issues, and also just knowing that like what the response would be if I did, like it'd just be like. I mean, you're saying it right now, though.
1: Like that's the thing mm-hmm. I don't understand is like mm-hmm. a lot of the people who say we can't say yeah. what we're saying right now, <laughs> but, are but,
2: saying no, but nobody listens to this. Right yeah.
0: <laughs> no, like yeah, good point. But you know, you know how scared we were about making this fucking podcast. Like it like we and we recorded many that we like were too scared to put out in the world uh we have colleagues who are too scared to come on and like actually say what they think about things like it is a th- it is a thing like this this sort sure. of like this environment of inf- enforcing conformity of thought and fear of like stepping out of line of like the you know accepted yeah. good liberal dogma on these issues that is a real thing i i i fully like agree with you if you're skeptical of like how bad that is like uh, or actually how, harm, how how harmful that is but it is like you can't say it's like it's not a real thing i mean i just don't think so this is something i wanted
1: to talk about too is like there's been reviews of you know to the extent that cancel culture is a really big problem um of there being like a cancel culture crisis mm. um you know in colleges or or whatever and so jeffrey Uh, Adam Sachs and Stephen Novella from a separate podcast, The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, on his blog Neurologica, they've done, you know, looked at the research, the empirical actual strong research, that there's something actually going on here, and there's just not a lot of evidence from the empirical research that's been done here that there's really a big problem with this generation versus last generation versus generation before that
2: yeah but um, how many but but it's not so but it's not you can't just look at people who have been canceled and say oh is this a big enough number because think about all the people that are not going to speak up because of those cancellations what i'm saying is it's hard to quantify the effects it has right you can't just say that the cancellations aren't there aren't enough of them but yeah they're looking at what
1: they're they're looking at like uh like reports from students like across the country at a bunch of different universities like this is the same data set that you know Jonathan Haidt is is kind of looked at to say that there is a lot of uh problems with cancel culture they're just like reanalyzing the data and saying like you're kind of cherry picking s- specific data and like not looking at it more holistically wait that's so what I'm, is it- that's what i'm referencing
2: wait so is it self-reports of students like hey do you think cancer culture is a big thing or they're or seeing how many times there have been cancellations like at your university did uh, you know hmm. a speaker get canceled like what kind of questions are these
1: you can look at both of those types of things but it's like um you know the the types of survey questions would be like you know do you think it's morally acceptable acceptable to punch nazis do you think somebody should be you know not invited to a campus in order to speak because they hold x view
0: but what Um, about yeah i mean there was Mm. but only only one person has
2: to object for them to cancel something right i don't think Mm. it needs a lot everybody to agree i'm pretty sure some things have been canceled because one or two people spoke up and said we don't we're feeling unsafe you really think that if one person yeah. got up and like oh i feel unsafe if this person comes on campus they'll be like oh but you're just one person
1: all i'm saying is like those rates have not changed very much drastically over time like they're they're basically the same that they mm-hmm. were in the early 2000s similar to what they were in the 1990s they've gone up a little bit but not it's not an extreme increase in like illiberalism in the you and know, we're sure body that these academic.
2: questions mean the same thing that they did back in the 1990s as they do now like are people I mean, inter- ask- like I don't know what the items look like but I wonder right I mean you have to you have to keep in mind so- that all the students that are in college they're growing up with these ideas right it's it's not like this is sort of what they're being taught in a way that you know we need to have these safe spaces and some people maybe should not be allowed to speak if they have opinions that might be upsetting for others I can see you think of it not being an issue again i don't know what the items in there are but i can see there just being a shift in how people perceive some of these questions or what the. there's a lot of hand
1: there's a lot of hand wringing but not a ton of hard evidence that this is a thing that's happening which is kind of funny because the other thing we could talk about is like microaggressions and i think there's like a similar state of evidence there right like people are drawing a lot of conclusions without a lot of hard evidence and i like i accept both sides of that both of those things as being true like uh, uh, the the cancel culture narrative doesn't have a ton of hard evidence but people feel like it's a problem okay i accept that and the same thing is true about yeah. microaggressions but, but, the,
2: but just quickly like the problem with saying there's not enough hard evidence evidence is what i was trying to say it's hard to collect evidence of how many people are not speaking up in situations because they feel like it's you know they're going to get canceled for it or they're going to be they repercussions even social repercussions
1: that's that's a question they ask is like do you ever feel like you can't talk in class because you're worried that you're going to suffer consequences for it like that's the kind of thing that they would ask and liberals and conservatives worry about that. This is just, like, social mm. function. This is just what it is to be a uh, college student, right? Like, you're worried about <laughs> sounding like an idiot or saying the wrong thing. And right. this is a thing we all try to learn how to navigate, right? Like, mm. social social sure. stigmas change. Like, what is acceptable? You used to be able to just say the N-word. Now you can't say the N-word. So the, the, those those things change over time, and people have to learn how to navigate within a new space that of what is correct politically correct to say. But... Uh, it just hasn't changed a
0: ton yeah so so in your mind like all the people that signed the harper's letter are just
1: they're identifying a real problem and i do want to talk about so i i I want to take like a systematic approach to understanding this issue so we talked we just briefly mentioned excesses of the left and i think we should talk about like what unpack what excesses of the left possibly mean so i think one thing is cancel culture um that that people bring up um mm-hmm. i say that with like a question mark and i think we should disaggregate like what is cancel culture because it's many many things some of which are good some of which are bad and some of which are ugly is the way i've kind of organized my thoughts on this subject so the good things about cancel culture can either of you think of like what's good about cancel culture
0: i Wait, mean many so,
2: things yeah
0: so cancel culture exists now in this in this hypothetical this is, sure. we're accepting it exists.
2: I accept
1: that it exists, I, mean, I just every, don't every, think it's necessarily a leftist thing. I think it's I like mean, a whole, thing that's distributed.
2: I What's, mean, the intent, the, the Me Too, and most of the stuff that came out of Me Too before things got, you know, just... I thought a lot of that stuff was really... Totally. good and important and mm-hmm. well, yeah people who have been treating others you know like shit um you know
1: yeah there, there was a for the longest time throughout human history right there's been powerful connected people that act with impunity because they have power and can do whatever the hell they want mm-hmm. and they they step on people they sexually assault women because they just can and they know yeah. that that they could shut down that woman's career if they want to so this is this has right. been a thing that just always happened but,
2: but then and it the took f- a wrong turn right when they started saying that any 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 woman that comes out we're just gonna believe it like i think that that just took a wrong turn like that was sure. just a bad idea yeah
1: and so yeah so I, I think we should acknowledge that there are good things about right. cancellation sure, sure. Yeah. right some people yeah. are canceled for good reason harvey weinstein Absolutely. was canceled for good reason um yeah. louis ck you know louis
2: ck good reason was canceled Absolutely. for good
1: reason but he's coming back and that's the other thing is like most of these people that are quote-unquote canceled unless they go to prison they come back even if they did something objectively terrible hang on hang on, mm, hang on.
2: but Lu- i mean what so- louis ck yeah
0: was what and- he did that bad like he didn't he, he masturbated in front of his colleagues? No, he asked after asking he, he them. He asked if he could masturbate in front, of... and the the issue was it, there was this power thing because he was big and famous, and there's this power right. differential. And like he I got think people, that's, he, he that's like manipulated people into masturbating well, in front of them. Um, he also masturbated on the phone i don't know if the person <gasps> was actually oh. his employee or it was just a, a less famous another comi- i think
2: a less i think it was like less
0: com- but but that's but the way like the comedy everybody's scene a less works. famous comedian than louis ck like, But this is the way the comedy scene him? works like there's he, the ca-
1: the casting couch phenomena like and he was relying on he was banking on that ability to be able to manipulate women into being
0: that's a whole other issue let's stick to harvey weinstein yeah sure.
2: but- I mean, okay, it's tricky with Louis C.K. Like, of all the like, I'm not saying what he did was right, but he asked for consent and never touched anybody. I think that are you sure that he
1: asked in consent in every case? Because I don't think that it's in every case.
2: But he Uh, he never physically assaulted anybody, right?
1: Sure, but like having somebody whip their cock out in front of you and start masturbating. An orgasm in front of you, in some cases without consent, seems in problematic case, to me. I don't I don't, I
0: know. don't know. If he did <laughs> whip his cock out as you say and I'm sorry listeners again for Manny's language if he did (laughs) if he did do that without asking for consent that's definitely bad but I I don't remember reading that he he did that so like we we could take a time out but I I don't want to make this about Louis CK like I think your point stands obviously there's people who should be cancelled who have Mm. reprehensible views if some like there's Nazis there's people that are in the KKK yeah we don't want them to talk on campus like and and in our episode about cancel culture we admitted this that it's complex because like yeah in some cases definitely people should be fucking sure. cancelled cool. sorry yeah. um, look what you've done to me now man. <laughs> Got, like, <laughs> um, yeah but definitely in some cases,
2: it really should not have happened right the whole Aziz Ansari situation was totally unnecessary
1: yeah oh, it his was his just, like, oh yeah Aziz Ansari is a bad case oh, wait, uh, right? that, that <laughs> was, <the wrong laughs> was like I a guess. classic
2: case of like my god you're just airing dirty laundry Milo Yiannopoulos is, is another good
1: example that, that dude was calling out students specifically who were trying on campus and that is a, is, a, is a concern for their personal safety to be called out by somebody like I Yiannopoulos and so know then he gets cancelled
0: I don't know about that I think he just showed an image of somebody that, that somebody who was
1: at that university and showed their name I don't yeah I didn't but know, going back to your okay, anyway, so anyway we talked about anyway. what was
2: good about cancel culture. So well, I, what do you think is we all bad? Like that like, there are yeah. some cases of some good cases,
1: yes. So so Absolutely. then let's talk let's talk about the bad, right? So the bad is is what we often talk about. I think so the thing is that cancel culture being canceled for legitimate reasons is then aggregated with and conflated with being canceled for stupid reasons or just not even things that have to do necessarily with cancel. So so outrage culture is a thing and people mm-hmm. will conflate you know the outrage machine that is social media with cancel culture and then attribute it to the left and so then it becomes a the left is this awful thing that that creates outrage culture and it's like mm, no like outrage culture is on both sides i think like donald trump is a basic example of somebody who, yeah. who, who manufactures outrage um the other thing is online bullying i yeah. don't care how terrible somebody is you should never tell them to kill themselves on the internet mm-hmm. ever like yeah. And this is, this is just a thing. Like, if a person on the left does it, I'm going to call it out. If a person on the right does it, I'm going to call it out. Like, but this is distinct from the project of, like, calling mm. out people who are powerful to be accountable yeah. for their actions.
0: I totally agree that the right has its own cancel culture. The left has its own cancel culture. Right. I think that for Smriti and I, we, our careers are only threatened, really, by one of those. <laughs> Not like, we, we, could, we could get on Twitter and say whatever the fuck we want with a radical leftist slant. And, like, have no fear whatsoever for any career repercussions whatsoever. If I got on Twitter and I said, like, yeah, something like, I don't know, I actually think, like, the cops that shot Jacob Blake, like, they had legitimate, like, legitimate safety concerns because he was not complying with orders and, like, opened the car door and reached inside the car, you know, I, I, like, I... I don't have evidence for this because I've never been brave enough (laughs) to like tweet something like that. But I just feel that like I would lose lose followers. There would be people who'd never spoke to me again. It could hurt my job search. Uh, If I teach at a university, some students could find that tweet and try to get me fired. Like it's just it's there's a very there's a total asymmetry in our world between the threat of left cancel culture and the threat of right cancel culture. Is all I'm trying to say.
1: I mean, I accept that there's an asymmetry in academia. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's not a difficult point for me to just, like, concede. Yeah, like, now, mm-hmm. if we're going to talk about, like, larger society, mm-hmm. um, doxing from a right-wing group and attacks from a right-wing group could threaten your life. And there mm-hmm. are cases of people, like, you know, being doxed oh, yeah. and then being attacked and death threats and all of that, rape threats to women. Yeah. So, I mean, that's no, a thing, you're right. too. Um, and, and in terms of, like, who owns the political process, like, our president, people who are now in Supreme Court, People who run the Senate, people who are like running for Senate, who are QAnon believers. Oh uh, no,
2: yeah.
1: So I, I mean, mm. I, I think we just have to context- again. This is this yeah, goes back no, to the conversation I,
0: about contextualizing. I, I I agree, man. Like, and I uh, John Jost has talked about this recently on Twitter. Like, there are a lot of things that are symmetrical between right and left, but the like assassinations and the use of violence and hate crimes are not at all. Right. And I I, I do yeah that that's totally true um that um yeah it's yeah even though like yeah like antifas are like a little bit violent sure uh, but they're not associated but they're with not, any murder that no, no murder has been attributed to antifa no totally although you you know like you could argue that maybe they were to blame for people that died inside chaz up in seattle but that's 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 a reach probably yeah so like no i I agree with you i totally agree but Mm. there's also a
1: conversation on the left happening about this so mm. so there's a leftist youtuber called contrapoints i don't know yeah 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 i know yeah Yeah, yeah. contrapoints did a great video about cancel culture she covered like seven different uh features that she thinks of cancel culture that are really problematic like the presumption of guilt we were talking about this earlier right like that somebody is immediately presumed guilty without any investigation or evidence just because somebody made a claim like obviously that's problematic there's problems Mm. to that Um, Mm. the idea that it's abstracted right so a person Mm. misgendered somebody and then they are labeled as transphobic even though they just misgendered somebody one time Mm. I mean but there's a similar thing right so if somebody says I support Antifa they're labeled as a communist Mm. like right away so this happens on both sides like all the points that she outlines occur for the left they occur for the right the problem part of a big part of the problem is that social media is designed to keep you to to keep you part of the their to keep you invested in their attention economy model, right? Like you are supposed to stay engaged. And if they want to build engagement, what do they do? They build outrage because outrage drives engagement. And so the the black box, you know, algorithms here are driving us all to like and retweet the thing that is most outrageous, the thing that has the most moralizing language. Um, there's a researcher named Curtis, I'm forgetting his last name. He's a new postdoc at, at, in Kurt's Kurt Gray's lab, and he's he's investigating this problem. Right, like people are just interested in tweeting the moralizing, you know, often shitty thing that somebody's saying because. That's how these algorithms work. So it's a bit of like the algorithm of human behavior, but it's also the algorithms that are built into these, these programs that we're all engaging with for hours at a time every day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that, that's a good segue because like, this is one thing that I've thought about a lot and really never come up with it. Like any good answers to is the ongoing political polarization in the united states it's happening to a lesser degree in in my country in australia Mm -hmm. like i think i just don't like i keep hearing that uh biden's gonna heal the divide and i and i keep i keep like saying out loud to the tv like how (laughs) give me one give me one practical thing he's gonna do that's gonna make the QAnon supporter say oh you know what he's not that bad biden maybe he's not a, a pedophile living on the blood of like child sex slaves. Yeah, like, nobody thinks that about children. I don't. Biden. I just don't see any any way back from this, and that's really scary to me, man. Like the yeah, I, I've absolutely. never like I grew up in a very peaceful country, of like never <laughs> never really experienced political violence. And I, and like definitely in my twenties as an activist, like I, I had this stage, like it, I was heavily involved in the Occupy movement, and I was like almost glamorizing political violence. But let me tell you, I don't know. I'm I'm like older now about to have a kid and I like when we had the riots after George Floyd Mm -hmm. that was like legitimately like upsetting and scary to me like to like San Francisco had this curfew I I went out a few times past curfew because my dog needed to go for a walk and like walking past somebody on the street and like just this level of like violence in the atmosphere in the air was just nothing like I've ever like experienced in my life and it just made me think like no i really really care about like having peace and having order uh right and i yeah like so it's really like it is really scary how polarized this country is getting and how few solutions there seem to be to that and i think that i think that like our role pushing back on the excesses of the left is surely is surely a force for like lessening polarization although i i don't know if you see it that way because i I kind of just think that like if you have the right and nobody's pushing back on the extreme right the right keeps drifting further right but if you have the left and nobody pushes back on the extreme left then the left keeps drifting further left and you get more polarization but if you have if you have people on both sides willing to say oh actually the data doesn't totally support that or you know like there's not we don't have that good evidence for that or or this and that like i think that Surely we are functioning as a force for an anti-polarization force, (laughs) but maybe you don't. Maybe you don't see it that way.
1: So I do think that there, like I said in the beginning, with the Noam Chomsky quote, like I think there's a role for criticizing the left. I just think there's a way to do it and a way to contextualize it. So that's part of what I was hoping Mm. to let's let's talk about that a little bit more. So I think we've done a little bit that about that, just on the topic of like cancel culture. the other thing that I think is important to note is like what are these different audiences that we're speaking to? So how many people listen to y'all's podcast every every it's time you drop one? Like three hundred. That's cool. That's cool. You, there's like 300 people listening to y'all on a every time you drop an episode.
0: That's pretty cool. Or and, and it's going to grow. That's For how many sake, downloads. Yeah. I mean, because I think some people it can automatically download yeah, into their I so don't know if they're so listening, but that there's
2: around. It the could
0: Android. also
1: be more because like I only download it once, but then my girlfriend will listen to you guys too. So <laughs> it works both ways. Um, <laughs> nice. Hi, Manny's and girlfriend. It, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I was going to say is. Um, Um, One, so you have, if we could just generalize your audience, right? You have two people, two audiences you're speaking to. One is a person on the left who wants to understand the world better and is willing to criticize their fellow left members um, in order to do that. And I think that that audience is a good audience to speak to, and we, we do need to do that. That's an important role, and I think you guys are helping play that role. The other audience member is someone on the right, who wants to see people mudsling to people on the left Mm. (laughs) and they enjoy seeing sam harris do it and they enjoy hearing dave rubin do it and all and and the endless array of of people who make their living um selling this notion that the left is out of control they also are part of that audience and so what we want to do what i you know if i was in y'all's shoes right i would want to Speak to the first person and 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 help them understand the world a little bit better, but also to the person on the right, like, make it clear that I'm not one of them. Like, mm-hmm. I agree with we, the three of us, agree with the project of the left, which is to build a more equitable society. That person who wants to mudsling to the left doesn't agree with that project. Like, that that's not... They want to secure power for their own group. For Conservatism is not about building equity into society. That's just not their project.
0: I... Okay, I don't know if that person exists, man. Like, or or you well, to About, for I don't about know what you just said, so like basically, you said you've got a person who listens to Sam Harris, yeah, but explicitly doesn't want a more equitable society. I don't i don't know if that person exists i think that there no, might be with different Harris, definitions definitely... of what is equitable all you have to do uh, is look at his like
1: tweeting like his tweets and then mm-hmm. anything he does and then he's immediately castigated for having like donald mm-hmm. trump derangement syndrome and mm-hmm. there's people there like he has a big mm-hmm. trump supporting base that listens mm-hmm. to him and follows him and that's what happens if you are attacking the left nonstop. those people are attracted to that
0: no, yeah, yeah, you might yeah, be right. I think you might right, be right. So yeah. I, I, I think like, definitely like a guy like. Do you know Coleman Hughes? Yeah, definitely yeah. Coleman Hughes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Coleman Hughes. I think he's really uh, intelligent, and I think he makes a lot of sense. And I have listened to a lot of and read a lot of lot of his work, and I I, I give him a lot of respect. But, but you're, I, I, you're really, right. I really, his Twitter don't mentions think... are full of racists, basically. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I,
2: but I don't think anybody of any of these right people are listening to our podcast.
1: Yeah, I was making and, a general statement about like podcasts in general, not necessarily. He, he's
0: talking about when we get super rich and famous. Oh, hell stories. yeah!
2: <laughs> and, <laughs> when that
0: Patreon money starts coming in. <laughs> exactly. and,
2: the, and the other thing I'll say is that I mean that's kind of what Sam Harris started out by his like the podcast that he did about like police shooting, saying that I'm not going to put out this whole disclaimer that I'm not a racist. Right? I mm. like I. I, I don't I don't think anything we've said would imply that we're in some way on the right or that we are not like totally I think maybe we, I like I, like I don't know if we have to make those proclamation e- each time like I don't think you have to prove, you know, like oh yeah, we're not racist and we're not bigoted and
0: mm. I don't maybe know. Maybe not. I think but it, there is something to be said for like stepping back to big picture and contextualizing stuff and just like right. yeah. p- positioning yeah, ourselves in terms of yeah, in this episode we're like criticizing we're criticizing like uh radical or like we're criticizing progressives in this episode but we also like largely agree with the project and we i think
2: i think we do that
0: and sam harris does do that sometimes right like he definitely does do that sometimes like he in he interviewed um catherine page harden Mm. uh and Mm -hmm. he really started that podcast out saying like you know you and I fundamentally agree with our goals for society like we want human flourishing we want everybody Mm -hmm. to be happy and have opportunity and have like fulfillment in their lives and stuff like that and it is yeah to me it's all like you get sick of always having to to do that a bit Mm -hmm. like and I sometimes when I talk about my research I almost have this feeling of like I should I should clarify that I'm a good lefty before I, t- <laughs> like, talk about some findings that maybe go against certain narratives. But then I just think, oh, I shouldn't have to do that. Like, I'm a scientist. This is We're all scientists yes. here. Like, yeah. So, But I guess this is a podcast. This is not a research talk. So, yeah. I yeah. think, yeah, point taken. I, I think there is, yeah, it is important.
2: Yeah, fair, fair, Yeah.
1: The other thing is, like, um, part of that context is, like, that right-wing censoriousness is largely ignored in these conversations not necessarily by y'all but just like the people who talk about this topic of like cancel culture or whatever like they just don't mention you know that Mm. many (laughs) people throughout throughout the last you know couple decades have been fired because they're gay or because they're atheists Mm. or because they're Mm. left-leaning and they want to organize their workplace like
2: yeah, but we but, but we but we should hold yeah, but we should hold the left to a higher standard than the right, right? We can't say oh they're also doing it. like sure yeah that's fine, but the people on the left should not be against free speech.
1: Right? Well, the thing is, real so, progressives
2: should not be against free speech. Like, who I, cares what the right the right is like? You know, they're off their markers.
1: I mean, we should care, but I take your point that we should hold ourselves to a higher standard. Yeah,
0: exactly. Just because
1: they do something doesn't mean we should do it too. Um, my point is more that like. The industry around, so the other thing that we should Mm. talk about is that Mm. it's like a billion dollar, it's like a (laughs) billionaire-funded industry to talk about cancel culture constantly. Like you guys know that, right? Like Coke Industries. Okay, Okay. So, Speech First is an organization that is ostensibly about free speech and that kind of thing they're an astroturf mm. organization funded by Koch brothers um you got the rubin report has a financial partnership with learn liberty which is a coke funded instit- uh, coke funded in uh company mm. and you got rebel media which is coke funded you got jordan mm. peterson who does work with the institute of human studies which is coke funded you have turning points usa which is conservative funding from foster fries from coke Um, And also linked to Ben Shapiro. You have the Center for Study of Institutions and Innovations, which is Coke funded, and hosted Brett Weinstein. You got Barry Mm. uh, Weiss and Connor uh, Freiderstorf, uh, decriers of uh, cancel culture, both, who both received cash prizes from Coke funded Reason Foundation. Coddling of the American Mind was authored in part by Greg uh, Lukanoff, who's the head of FIRE, who's also funded by the Koch brothers. Um, The Atlantic Mm -hmm. wrote a series called The Speech Wars that was underwritten by the Koch Foundation. PragerU, Daily Wire, Reason Magazine, all are funded by Koch funders. So (laughs) this is what I'm saying. There is a billionaire, right-wing billionaire industry around this topic, and the reason we all know the stories of Evergreen, right, is because there is a financial uh, plan to undermine the project of the left and to support a right-leaning narrative, and this is part of their way of making that happen, is by supporting these... Wait, Evergreen?
2: You mean, like, what happened at the university?
1: Yeah, with Brett Weinstein, I think.
2: Wait, how was that a... Wait, how was that a conspiracy? Wait, what's happening? It's not a conspiracy.
1: (laughs) It's just, it's just like... (laughs) These small events that otherwise we would not be talking about because they're not big news. It's just a handful of students who got out of hand one night, which happens on every college campus all around the country all the time. Usually alcohol is involved, right? And we don't hear about it. But we all know about it because there's a right-wing industry around telling us all about Mm -hmm. how crazy the left is in the United States. And it's just like if
2: you follow the money. What happened there was not that some students got drunk or something what happened at evergreen was that they wanted white people to not show up to campus one day right they wanted people to not come to campus at all my and point was
1: that that stupid things happen on college campuses all the time this is one that where a bunch of left-leaning people did something stupid usually it's just people doing stupid things not because of ideological reasons but just because they're stupid and that happens on college campuses all the time. But we all know about this specific instance because it helps a right wing cause wait. to continually talk about these instances of excesses on the left.
0: Yeah. But I would but say, there I would were say people- first that, sure. like, where the fuck is our money? Koch brothers. <laughs> we we've been consistently talking about cancel culture at least in two or three episodes now, and mm-hmm. have seen no money, zero, zero dollars. So, what the fuck? You guys uh, just send them a letter. <laughs> secondly, I yeah, this is interesting because it it sort of connects back to an episode we did a little while ago about um sort of allegations that uh, you know the attacks on science in the open science community are funded by like this shadowy billionaire uh as well, right? And I think oh, like Tagegate? Yeah, Tagegate. So the the place Tage that Gate? we kinda came down on is that like regardless of who's funding it, if they're right, like they're still right. Like regardless of who's funding yeah. uh different different people or like giving prizes to barry weiss i i still doesn't really affect me that much because i can still decide if i agree with barry weiss or not like i I do get where you're coming from, though. Like, and it does make me think: Why? am I just like playing into the hands of? Like, Mm -hmm. is this ultimately? Am I hurting the left ultimately by doing this? By criticizing the left? Because obviously, they think you are. Yeah, they think I am. Like, that's the goal, right? Is like, ah, I've I've detected this weakness of the left that there's like crazy people in uh, gender studies departments in universities, and we need to just be constantly highlighting the crazy shit that the craziest people on the left do. Right yeah. which is what the Daily Wire does, which is what like well, exactly, right, right, exactly, and but some it's of also that what left wing media does crazy. to the right, but like, and their 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 idea is like, ah, like this will hurt the left, the more this stuff gets publicized, the more it gets talked about, and maybe that's true. I also just think like as part of the left, we we want to be calling out the crazy stuff on the left to improve the left. Right like yeah. uh so like there's a very difficult balancing act there totally. I feel, but I, I do like I take your point, like following the money, if the Koch brothers think that this kind of stuff is gonna <laughs> ultimately hurt the the project of the left, then maybe that's true, I guess I don't know, like because I mean, just like you said, there's not good, strong, hard evidence that um. Like cancel culture, and I guess this this connects nicely to your tweet about Sam Harris, right? So you tweeted Sam Harris tweeted that oh these election results prove that oh, yeah. uh, there's a cost there's yeah. a cost to wokeism, right? And yeah. you tweeted something that I agree with, which is basically this take is evidence free, right? right. <laughs> but it's also relatively evidence free, I would say, to to say people like Barry Weiss are hurting the left at the ballot mm. box. Um, or people i mean i guess james Lindsay. at least <laughs> there's one vote we lost because james Lindsay himself decided to vote for trump and i'm sure for sure trump. a lot of his followers did as well but mm-hmm. i yeah like i'm not certain there's that much evidence that us doing this kind of thing actually does hurt the overall yeah. support just of the to be clear i'm know.
1: not saying y'all i'm not this is <laughs> yeah, not right. yeah, me running a, running a uh like uh you know intervention intervention on (laughs) y'all to say like you need to change what you're doing i'm just like um i'm more criticizing like a bunch of other bigger like the stuff that i've mentioned like Hmm. ben shapiro dave rubin you know sam harris to some extent
0: although i don't think ben shapiro is is fully conservative like there's no pretense of being on the left there now dave rubin as well yeah. Dave I mean, Rubin Sam, has now Sam Sam on the Harris, right. Though. I
2: don't think he claims to be on the left anymore. Dave Rubin. He he's, he claims that he's been pushed to the right by the left.
0: Sam Harris, yes. I think Coleman Hughes, yes. Um, right. Brett Weinstein. It's 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 weird. It's yeah. He's a weird Heart dude. To tell. <laughs> yeah. Um.
1: But like, I think that it's something that needs to be thought of, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. you know you're doing right now. Um. Mm-hmm. And that's that's more the thing I'm I'm suggesting. Um I'll give like at the end of our conversation, think like here's the way I think about this, like in a nutshell, and we can get there. Well I'd say um, we're
0: almost at the end, so you might yeah, as well give us it's a the long nutshell. time. Yeah. Yeah. What's I mean nutshell? the other thing
1: we could do is, you know, I think another critique you have, uh paul is that we're kind of jumping the gun on the science behind inequality a little bit specifically on the left like people on the left are jumping to conclusions without having the the sound like scientific basis behind it and so Mm -hmm. um like we we've talked about microaggressions before smithy um Mm -hmm. and i oh my
2: god yes we have
1: you shared an article from let me see if i can just read the Scott Lillien, Scott L- L- Lillienfield, Lillian- L- yeah, Good. L- L- who Good
0: guy. You know, uh, recently, recently passed away. Passed yeah. away. Yeah. Oh, did yeah. he? Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry to mm-hmm. hear that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he, yeah. So so. criticize his article now, Manny. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was a good article um,
1: overall, and I think that there are, there are. I mean, it's the nature of this weird construct of, like, be- very much relying on the subjectivity of the person experiencing it that makes it, like, a very difficult thing to pinpoint, and yeah. the fact that, like, you can find somebody like Coleman Hughes who will be like, I've never experienced a single microaggression my whole life, and then you can find, you know some uh, a bunch of other you know people of color who like yeah every I've day. Had this, I, mean, I I see this every day of my life mm-hmm. yeah it's not a surprise to me you just gave me yeah. a new word to call it but i've been i've been dealing with asshole white people my whole life so so i think like that makes it d- hard i totally recognize like i think most of his criticisms are on point like yeah this is a weird thing i mean yeah. it's funny he used the the term uh in the eye of the beholder in the thing and i think like there's a similar analogy to beauty, right? And beauty and ugliness, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is we, it's hard to conceptualize, like, is this beautiful? Why is it beautiful? It's not just beautiful because it's an objectively beautiful thing. It's also beautiful because you think it is. You know, that's why, you know, the term beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So I think it is... It is It's just a difficult thing to study. I agree with him that we probably shouldn't call it microaggressions because aggression seems to indicate it brings in this kind of like causal, intentional language into the equation. I want to say I heard somebody at SPS SP talk about this. Like it should be unintentional racial slights or something. Like there's like another. Oh, I remember you telling me about that. Calling it something else. yeah, Yeah, that would make it more clear that intentions not part of it necessarily. Yeah,
2: but then how do you know which slight is racial and which slight is not, right? Maybe they just don't like you, right? People people can like be rude to you or mean to you for a number of yeah. different reasons, right? It's this sort of is, hard to Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's kind of how are you going to know if it's a racial slight versus, you know, you're just an ass, you you know, they yeah. don't like your face.
1: And Lilienfeld brings this up uh, by talking about base rates, right? So, like, how do you know that the base rate for you is different than the base rate for a white person that they get slighted in the exact same way? And I think that's fair as far as it goes. But uh, I think we, we talked about this last time we talked that like this is a phenomenon before we gave it a name. Like, there's like in the '60s, there are plenty of black people who would say like I'm mistreated," and
2: yeah, but it's that happened that's less and less. Racism. Things. Right, right. Right. That's there we have a word for that. Like right. I, I I don't know what microaggressions add on top of words we already have, like, oh, people are rude or well, you know, people are disrespectful and some people are racist and
1: Yeah. But I guess racism entails a certain kind of like ideology for a lot of people, and microaggression can say that like even if you don't hold a racist ideology, you could behave in a way mm. that makes people feel like lesser um, for some reason
2: but if it's race-based wouldn't you still categorize it as racism like if it's if you're if you're assuming that whatever this whatever they're doing is because of your race and not just some other interpersonal is wouldn't that still i mean this, the same the problem we have, of- this
1: is the same problem we have with implicit bias right like we want to mm-hmm. talk about bias but we don't want to call it racism because it is implicit and people don't intend to be biased but they are so, I, I think this is this the thing we have to navigate in the social sciences, like, how to talk about these things that we think are happening, and that a lot of people of color will say that this is a thing that happens to me. Um, yeah, I really it- like the point he made about personality. Like, I do think there's a personality component here, right? Like, some people are just susceptible to feeling to feeling slighted by people based on their race. Um, I think that's a thing that's happening. I think the reason why it's probably not talked I mean, yeah, talked Rudy about has
2: work on that, right? Race-based rejection sensitivity, you know, right. is in that same vein. Right. Um, but how much of it is, you know... It, 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 um, okay, okay. So we can say, okay, maybe that something like this, like something like microaggressions existed, we just didn't have a name for it. Mm-hmm. But I could also make the current counter an argument that by telling people, hey, look out for these cues from other people in which, like, them mispronouncing your name is a microaggression, right? Like, don't you think some it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of cases where people are interpreting things that they otherwise wouldn't to be microaggressions that they now are because they're being told, yeah, if somebody mispronounces your name, that's a microaggression, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, by that definition, right, everybody's microaggressing against me all the time and I should just be canceling everybody. But you don't do... I don't do that, right? Yeah.
1: So, I think this is an interesting argument because what you're doing is essentially... We were talking about jumping the gun on science behind inequality and drawing conclusions beyond at at which the evidence exists. And I think we could... we, We run the risk of doing the same thing when it comes to what are the potential harms of talking about microaggressions? I don't know. What are they? Let's empirically study it. Until we have empirical evidence, until we have, like, a good body of research to draw on, that's a good narrative, but it... But is there any data behind it?
2: No, but we, you and I have been talking about right. collecting that data for a long It'd be interesting time to many. do, but I'm just saying, like, before <laughs> right. we
1: start believing this narrative, we should no, no, and I'm not saying we should, yeah.
2: but but you know, I've been in trainings that talk about microaggression at Berkeley on the first date when you're signing up, and what mm. they're telling us is stuff that I'm just like. Oof right yeah like, i mean microaggression
1: uh, trainings similar with implicit uh, uh, bias trainings yeah i i think the evidence just isn't there to do it effectively but it's, it's happening kind of right
2: but that's the point like it's yeah. happening implicit bias trainings are happening starbucks are getting closed to do them right now like and university departments it, yeah
0: none of us are going to go to our university and try to stop them doing these trainings yeah. right like th- this is not as far as this mind, is mind not, i know my university not isn't doing it, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't right. know. Yeah, and like everybody's, yes. like even though probably 50, 60 percent of the students that sit in that Berkeley training are probably no, it's more like, like
2: you know four or five hundred people.
0: Yeah, in, like in one like day, most of them are probably sitting there going, "Yeah, I'm not totally on board with this." No, like nobody objects, right? Like there's, yeah. or maybe like one student out of five hundred is like, "Wait." Hang on a minute, and um, that is
2: a problem, right? Because then our perception of what people think is skewed because the people who think mm-hmm. like things that are different than are not mm. speaking up. Yeah,
0: right?
1: yeah, and I think like part of the reason is because they're like, I don't know, I'm not an expert. Like, mm. I don't know, maybe maybe this is a thing. Even if I doubt yeah, it. The- so i mean this happens if you're getting a training on anything if you're getting a training on like how to best navigate covid you might be like i don't really think i need to wash my hands every 10 minutes but if the cdc (laughs) is saying that that's like the best way to navigate it you're just like okay i'm gonna shut Mm -hmm. up and just listen to my training
2: yeah Mm -hmm. and i I think you're right many like i agree with you that we need more evidence for microaggressions before we can have these conversations but i think that the burden of proof lies with the people who are saying there is such a thing as microaggressions I i don't have to come out and try to say why microaggressions is not a thing, right? The burden of proof always lies on the person who's claiming that there totally. is such a thing 100%. as microaggressions.
1: Now, that article you sent me, the Scott Lillianfield article, yep. article didn't suggest that microaggressions don't exist. He suggested yeah. that they are not measured well enough for us to start applying that knowledge and that body of research to making interventions in the real world. And I think that that is the... Like, he mm. himself i think in the article has certain quotes where he's like chances are like these kinds of things happen and i think mm. i'm in that same boat like i think these kinds of things yeah happen. but don't we it's have words for
2: them already like what is micro the idea of microaggressions adding to that that doesn't already exist?
1: Mostly that they're ambiguous, right? That like, and I think that's what's really being added by microaggressions is like there's this ambiguity to these kinds of situations where mm. it could be interpreted a bunch of different ways. And that's every social no, I mean, situation. I think w- what no, well, some are very straightforward. If somebody calls you the N-word, that's clear racism, right? Yeah, if somebody micro. just says like, if you're, if somebody just, they call them like microassaults, which I think is kind of funny. Um but uh, i think if somebody says like you know you speak really well for you know somebody from your hometown that's it's you walk away from that not sure exactly how you feel and certain people can feel differently that's I mean, an interesting social phenomena where people can experience the exact same thing but walk away with different perceptions that's a, that's the word we're using to explain that type of social phenomena e-
2: Yeah, but do you think... I mean, I get told this all the time, right? You speak... You don't have an accent. You speak really well. Whatever, whatever... I don't know if it's a good thing to tell a whole generation of people that you should be upset when somebody's giving you a, so I'm saying something nice to you, right? Right. Like but or if somebody asks you something like, Oh where are you from? But no where are you really from? And people seem to take offense to that.
1: But we agree on this point, right? Like you're talking about should we be training people on this and should we be teaching them this mm-hmm. language for the sake of like identifying it? No, and I'm, I'm, saying of, I'm, a, I'm saying there I'm saying there's side no here. such
2: you know, but I don't think that somebody saying "Oh, but you speak really well" is a microaggression. I don't think that's a thing. I shouldn't. Yeah. I don't think there should be a name for it. I think we shouldn't be priming people to look for slights when none exist. You could simply think, "Oh, yeah, this person is giving me a compliment. Oh, thank you. I do speak really well. Let's move on." Yeah, like, I guess
0: I, the um. Did you guys were you on Twitter when the whole black in the academy hashtag? going on or being black a psychologist. Being ivory? a psychologist while black um, Probably. Probably, yeah. I think I think it was after George George Floyd yeah, maybe, around that and time. And it was like um, you know all, all black I was in seeing the s- ivory. Black in the ivory. And all I right. was seeing on Twitter was either black people posting their experiences of microaggressions with the hashtag or white people saying you all shouldn't need to read these these hashtag things. because um, um, you you need to understand what it's like to be black in the ivory. And I got to say, like, a lot of them. Okay, so, wh- wh- what do you think? So, like, wh- one of them, I-, I read them, and for the most part, my reaction was like, "Is this, is this stuff really tweet worthy?" So, like, one of them was like, "I I hate reading my race referred to as blacks rather than black people in academic papers." So, I I use that phrase all the time. Like, I also refer to whites, Asians. Yeah. La- Latinos, uh, right. it saves it saves words. Compared, like if you have a word count compared to white white people, like yeah. I I just don't like you're talking about a race of people that 200 years ago was like enslaved, right? Uh, like the in in terms of like human suffering and oppression, like seeing your race referred to just by a single word, like as blacks, or like when almost always it's like whites are referred to like in the exact same way. It just doesn't seem like a, a, a valid, like, complaint or anything that anybody should be upset by. But I also know that if I was to say that, like, if I was res- to respond to that tweet and say, hey, like, I'm, I'm not sure that that's actually that big a deal. Like, I mean, I, I write blacks, but I also write whites. You know, that's like, yeah. I feel like that's almost a cancelable offense in the current climate i don't and know i feel like you would have been with... fine but i yeah. think yeah maybe right like <laughs> i don't know i, don't know. <laughs> I just i don't yeah, know yeah. like i'm such a coward like about these things
2: yeah and i don't know what the literature says i actually did not end up reading that paper because there wasn't enough time but like i don't know but time. it's yeah but it seems like most of the stuff that i've heard colloquially about colloquially about colloquially <laughs>
0: well, uh, Right. um what <laughs> <Colloquialism>. um colloquially
2: it <laughs> doesn't sound right um anyway what i've heard is like that intentions don't matter right that's what you hear with microaggressions oh like it's not about the intentions like well the intentions definitely don't yeah. matter and that is just like a statement i'm not willing to accept at all like i, yeah, I intentions that, matter a hundred percent and to disregard that is just it's it makes no sense
1: I think intentions definitely matter. Um, the thing that I think people are trying to get at there is like intentions can't always be the end-all, be-all answer to every question, right? So it might be that you said like, sure. you speak well for a black person," which I think is a little mm-hmm. bit be- different than if you say, "I speak," "You speak well," right? Mm-hmm. Which is a right. little more ambiguous. But right, if right, you say, right, right, right. "You speak well for a black," I yeah. think that most, like, people saying, like, oh, I didn't no, that, mean any offense by that. that is kind of offensive, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, but yeah. even if they say, my intentions were not to be offensive, like, that doesn't matter all that much because you did say an offensive thing. You did a racism. <laughs> <laughs> Can
2: I... I'm, I mean, but so that's, like, saying... That's an
0: interesting... Sorry, go ahead. Anyway. Mm, no, okay. So, like, go yeah, my, my... So, I don't... My lens, like, how I understand this issue is largely through my my wife, right? Um, Mm -hmm. She... Like, doesn't really perceive microaggressions, right? So, she, her, her name is a bit hard to pronounce for people. And, like, so people mispronounce it all the time, but she will also, like, kind of laugh when people get upset at people mispronouncing names because her family also mispronounces my name. Like, no. in, in Spanish, like, there's no AU, like, it's, it's two different sounds if you have two different vowels. So, it's like Paul. And I, I actually kind of like it. But, like, so she's just like, yeah, like, diff- people mispronounce different names because they right. speak different languages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The one, the one microaggression. That she has complained about in all the time I've known her is one lady who told her, uh, oh, you're so eloquent. And she did come home and she did sort of debrief with me about it. uh, And she did notice it. It was like Mm. this this weird comment that just made I think huh like what the hell does does that mean but so isn't like, i
2: mean but tone has to do a lot in situations like mm, that right sure. the way somebody says it, like i mean if you you know like if somebody just said you're eloquent i don't think that's an issue but there's certain I,
0: yeah i don't yeah i guess it's how they said it and whether it's a weird thing like to say they don't expect that, that you context, to be right So like whether it's it's pretty obvious they wouldn't have said it to a white woman i don't know like i guess i, I just i just don't know but like I feel like I have, like, even though, like, I'm a white guy, so I technically technically can't be microaggressed. I do feel like <laughs> I have some insight in what, what this is like to experience it, right? Like, so hear me out. Like, I know I hide it really well, but I'm actually, like, a really neurotic person. And in my 20s, in my 20s... So, in Australia, this is going to sound weird, but in Australia, there's this weird thing that males have, like, where you... Nobody calls each other, like, nobody calls me Paul. Like, no other man would ever call me Paul. You're either, like, mate or, like, man or... And, but there's, like, there's this subtle, like, r- like, hierarchical thing. Like, if you call another man matey in australia so oh, if you you're add, just being you, diminutive
2: yeah. you add the
0: e on the end yeah it's like this mm. subtle like slight to that guy Ooh, and right. throughout my oh. 20s like i was i was kind yeah, of Yeah, maddie's from
2: texas he knows all about toxic right, masculinity right. So, like, <laughs> i was
0: yeah i was very sort of like in, insecure <laughs> for like many many years in my 20s very insecure and like if a got another guy called me matey oh I I it would ruin Trust my day. Fired. Like, right. honestly, like, and and I don't. <laughs> I had no proof. I like like. There's no way to prove that right. somebody right. is trying to like. But I know, like, in in my heart of hearts, I know that if I was like a seven foot tall Tongan, right? There's no way that they would have called me matey at mm. that time. So like, yeah. I do feel like I kind of understand. But at the right. same oh, time, you, I would you say, poor you poor guy. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm so right. sorry. So, yeah. so you made. You,
1: I feel like you made more of a joke than anything to say like I'm white. I can't have these unintentional slights me, but, like, mm. I think these are things we all experiences. we all experience. And then you put them in the race, you know, you put them in a political, racial context, and then people start saying, you know, how do you know this is really a thing? It's like, mm. no, like, we've all had mm. experiences of these types of things, where somebody says something in a certain way or with a certain tone or they use a specific phrase where you're like mm, did you really mean that like nicely so, or were you being like kind I of just, sick?" sick I thing?
0: just started calling people matey as soon as they called me matey so I had these really <laughs> weird conversations <laughs> where they would go oh, thanks matey no worries matey <laughs> and then like sometimes they would try Very to come mature. back straight away and they would like oh yeah well cheers pal and I'd be like yeah no worries pal and just like exact, like tit oh for tat, exact, exactly totally. so, it, so yeah I'm, I'm a weirdo what, what can I so say so let like, me tell uh, you an,
2: a counter story right at one time this happened a couple of years ago i was like going somewhere anyway I, I like parked my car i walked out of my car and there was this like old gentleman walking towards me and he goes what's a little girl like you doing with a big car like that um
0: <laughs> oh that's gross
2: and god damn it all all i could think all i could think was he likes my car. Like, <laughs> like I, I do have a really nice car. What am I doing with this car? I'm not even... Offended. And he called me a little girl. I'm like, you know, 27 at this point. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. you know, this is perfect. He's complimenting no, my car well, and is, calling me young. This goes back to
0: Manny's point about the personality, right? Because, right, right, like, right. you're probably just in a more secure, like, right. place yeah, than I was in my early
2: 20s. Sure, but my that's my point, right? Mm. Like, mm. Like, how you perceive the world is a lot in a lot of time in your hands right you can Mm. you can you can focus on the fact that he's calling me a little girl it's insulting or you can you know like i don't think he meant ill like i don't think he or maybe i don't think so right Mm. but i think i think there's a lot of women who just
1: don't want to be called a little girl all the time by men that they run into in society like yeah and that's the fuck (laughs)
0: off. i think like you um, know
2: I, I don't mind. It's it's fine. Mm, <laughs> like sure. I don't care. When you're when you're eighty and you I'm twenty seven. Like I am yeah. a little girl. To
0: him, I, right? I saw a um just today I think on Instagram I saw that like some athlete was talking about like getting over it. Like if somebody calls you a name or something like that. And they made this analogy that I thought was kind of interesting, which was like if if you had like fifty six thousand dollars in the bank and somebody stole ten dollars from you you wouldn't get so upset that you threw away the other Mm. $56,000, right? Right, So we can think about the seconds in our day like this. So if somebody's rude to you in this 10 second block, you shouldn't throw away the other 56,000 seconds in the day thinking Mm. about it. That's interesting. Uh, Yeah, like I I thought that was good. And it goes back to me, like that was ultimately how I stopped worrying about shit like that. Because like the best advice I ever got was my old roommate who I would come home and like sort of, talk about these little incidents and he'd just be like, "Well, you don't really know and 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 you can't really do anything about it now, so the best solution now is to stop thinking about it." Right. And it's like and that's totally true so it's interesting that when you
1: came up with that when you mentioned that analogy my first thought went to well some people have almost nothing in their bank account ten dollars means a lot to them Mm. so i think and that is a good analogy for i think just this whole conversation around um Mm. racial slight. that's why it's in this context right because like some people feel like their group has no social capital is not valued Mm. in society and then somebody comes along and says oh you speak eloquently and it's like Mm. okay Mm. like I'm already a low-value group. Oh, I'm already part of a low-value group, at least societally. That's what society says. And I just feel like you're being, like, you're just adding to it. And if you're part of a high-power group, then it's easy yeah. for you to be like, eh, that's not really, that doesn't matter.
2: But are you adding to it, or are you changing people's mind, right? If people tend to think that, you know, Mexican people aren't that eloquent, and then you come around, and you are eloquent, and somebody, you've just changed somebody's mind, right? Right. And that's how I think about it, right? Like, if somebody's being racist towards me because they hold a certain opinion of whatever, right? Whatever group I Indian belong Americans to. Or whatever. Woman, Indian American, you know, just total badasses in general. <laughs> <laughs> You're just, you know, I'm trying to change people's mind, right? You sure. give them, like, it's. And I think whether. Yeah.
1: I think it's a very positive thing that you're talking about, and I wouldn't, I'm not trying to take away But from I, But, it, but, I, to, but
2: no. I totally acknowledge that not everybody in, is in that position to just right. let things slide, right? It's not that right. easy for everybody. Uh, I yeah. totally, yeah. You're that's a confident a, that's very person.
1: Fair. Yeah. And like, that's a great trait, but not everybody has that same trait. Like, yeah, but you
2: Paul earn it, right? I think confidence isn't, I wasn't always confident, right? It, it's not something yeah.
0: that. It's something you can you develop. Know, yeah. yeah, Incremental I, theory. I have a great... Yes. I think you either about, have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah. but Um, anyway so yeah so we final thoughts manny you're gonna tell us how it's gonna be yeah well so this
1: is if i was gonna have if i was going to do a podcast where i'm focusing specifically on this like how shitty the left is with cancel culture (laughs) this is the way i would present it okay and i'm not saying you guys have to do this don't don't like replay this and copy paste this into your next podcast but this is like Mm. the way i think about it right is like Mm. we're critiquing a small minority of people um on the left because they are wrong both in action and in philosophy right because it's not just that oh they're doing the wrong thing it's also like they're thinking the wrong way about these issues and we're criticizing it um, and we want to explore these problems, but we also just want to state that we generally agree with the leftist project of, like, making a more equitable society, mm-hmm. developing more democratic control, right? Giving people yeah. more power over their lives, stronger egalitarian mechanisms to promote welfare. And mm-hmm. furthermore, there's not really a super strong body of evidence that this small minority of illiberal people on the left is particularly influential. And the political narratives around cancel culture are often cynically employed by right-wing actors, Right. <laughs> Um, oh my God. And, and these same right-wing actors often support in a liberal agenda that's baked into Trumpism, into conservatism. That's actually much worse for society. But we still think it's worth talking about, you know, these smaller problems um, on the left and, and being critical of our own group. Like, that's the kind of contextualizing. And I'm not saying you need to make that statement, but, like, embed... That, that's the kind of thing I would embed into... My no, we're no, we're gonna No, we're gonna clip it
2: and every beginning of every. Clip <laughs> and insert it at
0: the start of every every episode. Yeah, um, is there that. any part of that that you don't necessarily agree with? Or? I don't. I, I'm, I'm, I'm less confident that the impact is as small as you think it is. Okay. Uh, I actually, I think that this stuff is is gaining huge cultural power. Yeah. Um, and I think but, you
2: have to keep in mind that a lot of the cultural institutions uh, do mm-hmm. like are like leaning mostly left They're like how many conservatives are there in public universities or like any universities mm. in the US right that number has to be really really small and that I think is an issue right you should not group think right we don't want that we don't want people mm. who are just agreeing with each other and just pushing each other mm. to the extreme but sorry Paul sorry to cut you off
0: yeah yeah I mean yeah, we, I guess we'll have to wait and see. There's definitely parts of the country starting to experiment with uh, policing in potentially dangerous ways, and that, that could be a whole other podcast. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I talk mean, about like that. Yeah, it needs to be but done. What correctly. Do
2: you mean? What do you mean policing in what kind of ways?
1: Uh, so, like, they're sem- just removing funding, like cutting funding fifty mm. percent, mm. just from one year to the next, and not being very clear about what they're going to do with that funding. So I I agree that like this needs to be a thing that is like a 5-year plan, right? Like redistribute funds by slowly Oh, you
2: mean police police. I thought just like mm. cultural policing.
1: Mm. Oh, I was yeah, assuming, yeah. I was assuming we were talking about actual police.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we are. I was. Um oh. But no like yeah, I think you you make you make good points. So we should ad- we should make Manny like a semi-regular guest, I think. So you can <laughs> Every time yeah, we, that'd be great. we we go too far towards the IDW, you can just bring us back into, into the light <laughs> yeah. uh, of the, man, the normal, man, well lit web.
2: Maybe starting his. <laughs> yeah. The world. Did you say.
1: We'll, yeah. we'll see. I, I mean, I don't want to announce to the world that we're starting a podcast because mm. I don't want to. Um, if it doesn't happen, then.
0: Uh, aren't um, you starting a putt? Should we are, we, we plugging about that about
1: Yeah, it. that's okay. what I was
2: just saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're starting I a wish. Pod, And then. If you were, if you do start a podcast, then we could just have you know conversations via podcast. You know, you yeah. respond to our podcast, we respond to your podcast, oh, just no. like you know.
0: <laughs> that sounds like yeah. Every week is a deep dive. You can be into our the podcast nemesis. Pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got my academic nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> no, you got your His podcast nemesis. My, my podcast nemesis. No, no I'd be glad good.
1: to. I'd be glad to join y'all. I don't know. I don't know about we'll see what happens with our podcast project if it gets mm-hmm. off the ground um but yeah
2: yeah let us know we'll plug it
1: we will do thank absolutely. you absolutely thank you for doing we'll that plug it and yeah i'd we'll love yeah. to come back we'll to dissect talk about. it because when i'm listening to y'all's podcast i'm like oh if i was there this is what i would say we, pa- <laughs> we pause the podcast and like me and my girlfriend talk about oh. what you guys are talking about so it's like <laughs> that's well, your, amazing your hour and a half podcast turns into like a three-hour oh, conversation that <laughs> in, like, that's so out.
2: amazing <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not always like in disagreement, but just like, oh, well, here's here's like the thing that like is really interesting here or whatever. So, I think you're going to have to bring your girlfriend on next time too. Yeah, yeah, she's she's got a lot of good content too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> next. Well, well, the podcast. Thank cool. you cool.
0: so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks thank for you having me. Um, it's so much Hall. fun.
2: Yeah. 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 Great conversation. Yeah. And yeah, we'll if yeah we'll chat us, again.
0: If you want to reach us, how can they reach us, Rithi?
2: they can tweet at us at more of a comment on twitter or they more, can e-
0: isn't it more of comments sorry
2: yeah yeah sorry so on twitter <laughs> it's more of comments <laughs> and on gmail it's more of a comment at gmail.com yeah
0: very nice very should, nice yeah. should uh, I play, uh, we never check the email yeah you should totally um, yes. so What's going on with you uh, yeah so
1: you can follow me on twitter at, uh, at @m for my first name manuel galvan g a l v is in victor a mm n mhm um psych so it's m galvan psych uh, yeah all we'll put it in together.
2: the show notes too yeah
1: yeah and then also uh science of social problems uh is the the name of my blog but
2: blog yeah. which will also be in the show notes yeah
1: thanks but so much guys
2: great conversation Manny. thank Very you nice. for coming yeah and on such a such a like consequential day i feel like right today is really where we realize that biden's gonna win this election so yeah yeah
0: this one's and for the books yeah and so we we're just we're back now like i'm i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm done with like yeah let's yeah. let's go back let's go back to weekly at least for a little while because the people need us clearly
2: yeah people <laughs> <laughs> yeah well at least rachel does so we're
0: rachel,
2: <laughs> rachel does. and daniel yeah <laughs> okay, okay all right we'll do great talking cool. to you guys yeah great talking to you
0: Bye, ya. all right